uh, Neil shared, I, I work in the um, Administration and Resourcing Centre for our conference in South Queensland, and I love what I do. What I do in a nutshell is I help churches become the best they can be. And, uh, well, I've got a big title. That's my short title. Helping churches become the best they can be. And I help them how to do outreach, get in the community. I help them how to learn how to pray, how to become a healthy church, and just how to grow to be more like Jesus. And I love doing my job. It's just awesome. Awesome. Because I get to come to churches like you guys and share in your community. And, uh, and yeah, it's so good to be a part of it. Hopefully it's going to work now. It does. Fantastic. So, yeah, I love what I do. Today I want to talk to you about being. Being. And for me, for example, I've grown up in the church and I've heard the term Christian. And you've heard the term Christian here, there, everywhere. But what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? How can we be a Christian every day of our lives? Come on a journey with us. Being. We spend 25 years of our life sleeping. Have you ever stopped to think about that? We spend 25 years of our life sleeping. We work for 10.3 years of our lives. We watch TV for 9.1 years. We spend two years watching commercials. It's true, this is from research that has been done. We spend 1.1 years cleaning and 2.3 fewer my wife Chantel. She's a cleaner, clean freak. We spend 2.5 years cooking. We spend 3.66 years eating. That's about 67 minutes a day. Just eating. We drive a car for 4.3 years and longer if you live on the north side of Brisbane. We spend 1.5 years in the bathroom. That's men. Women just spend 1.5 years doing their hair. Women spend eight years of their life shopping. This is not made up, this is true. Women spend nearly one year deciding what they'll wear. You know what it's like. Oh, this doesn't look good on me, I've got to change. Oh no, does this look good on me? We spend 70% of our time in front of digital media, screen time. 70% of our waking life in front of digital media. Spend 90% of our time indoors. That is 71 out of 78 years indoors. An office worker spends five years sitting at a desk. We spend a total of 92 days on the toilet. 
This is serious stuff. Life seems pretty full. Life seems pretty full. You can stop and you think about your life right now and you're thinking, hang on a minute. Yeah, some of that might not be me, but others might be going, oh, yeah. Life seems pretty full. And so we need to ask the question, where is God in all this? Where is God in all this? Where is God amidst all the stuff of life? We need to come and have a look at Romans. Romans 12, 1 to 3. And I love what it says in the Message Bible. Romans 12, 1 to 3. Check it out. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level, level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. In the NIV version, it says, don't become so well-adjusted to the pattern of this world, but it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when you get all this stuff, and when you begin to look at it, there is a pattern. Have you ever stopped to think about this? You wake up, you have breakfast, you might have a shower, then go to school or university or work, then have lunch, then go back to study or university or school or work, and then you come home, watch TV, maybe read a book, have dinner, watch TV again or go on the computer, go to bed. And then you come back again, you wake up again. You have breakfast, have a shower, go to work, school, uni, have lunch, go back to work, school, uni, come home, have dinner, watch TV, read a book, go to bed. And we just do it again and again and again and our lives get into a rhythm. We get into a pattern where we just do the same thing day in, day out. But have we stopped to think about where's God in all this? So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God. What does this mean? Come on a journey into the Bible this morning and I want you to meet two women, Mary and Martha. And we find their encounter in Luke 10, 38-42. This is their encounter with Jesus. And in Luke 10, 38 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened a home to him. She had a sister called Mary, 
who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let me give you three points that come out of this story. Three crucial points. And someone else wants to be the preacher, I think, today. Jumping up there wanting to preach. Three crucial points. Number one. Martha opened the door. And you've probably studied this text, you've probably heard different preachers about this text, but have you ever stopped to think about the fact there was Martha, not Mary, who opened the door? So here we have Martha. She opened the door to Jesus Christ. She opened the door and let Jesus into her life, Jesus into her house. It was Martha. What does Jesus say? I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock, and if you open the door, I'll come in and eat with you. So he opens the door. He'll walk in. He's happy to eat with us. But the question is, are you willing to stop and eat with him? Are you willing to stop and allow him to dwell in your house? Because here we begin to see the two contrasting roles that Mary and Martha played. Because Martha opened the door and let Jesus in, but... It was Mary who sat at Jesus' feet. It was Mary who sat at Jesus' feet. Being. B-E-I-N-G. Being. And here we have Martha. She was so busy that she was doing all the Christian stuff. She was doing it all really well. She was so busy being a Christian that she couldn't even stop to sit at Jesus' feet. Where do you sit? Do you even sit? Be honest. Do you sit at the feet of Jesus? Do you start the day with Jesus? Do you spend time with Jesus? We can sometimes grumble that there is not enough people to do all the work when Jesus might just be saying, there is not enough people sitting at my feet. Because being a Christian grows out of our relationship with Jesus. That's the beginning. That's the end. It's all about Jesus. A note in the story. That while Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha was busy. She was busy doing. 
She was busy doing Christianity. She was busy doing all this stuff for Jesus. She was busy doing Christianity when Jesus says, Stop! Look! Listen! Here is Mary at my feet. She gets it. You can't be a Christian without Jesus. Just like you can't be a church without Jesus. We need to stop doing. And we need to start being. We need to stop doing and start being. There is no more important mission the devil has to make you so busy to sit at Jesus' feet. He wants to distract you. He wants to get you busy like Martha was. And even though you've opened the door and even though Jesus might be standing in the corner of your house or sitting in the lounge chair, he'll still get you busy doing stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but, is Jesus the center of your life? Have you started a life with Jesus? Have you started the day with Jesus? Is Jesus all about your everyday, ordinary life? Your waking, your sleeping, going to work kind of life? How busy are you? Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. That's when it gets uncomfortable. When God says, stop. When God says, be still and just get to know me. Why does he say that? Because God made us. He wired us. He created our being. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows that we can't do life without him. And he knows when we try to, we just get busy and we burn out. And so he says, hey, get this around the right way. Stop doing and start being, and we begin doing that by being still and know that I am God. Know me. Come and know me. Not just know me, but know me personally. So maybe have we got this whole thing called life around the wrong way? The other day, Jaden brought a little car to me that makes all these different sounds and whistles and whatever else it does. It wasn't working. And so I pulled the, the cover off the batteries, and sure enough, there was a battery around the wrong way. And when I turned around the right way, what happens? Whiz, bang, off it goes again, and it starts making the noises and sounds. And maybe that's the same with life. Maybe we have the batteries around the wrong way. Maybe we have life around the wrong way. And maybe we start doing before we start being. 
In Acts 2, we find a community of believers who understood the right way, who got it, who understood it. And I want to take you on a quick journey into their lives today. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And I pray that you'll see how these guys and girls and men and women got this whole concept. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold the property and they gave possessions to anyone who had need. They gave to anyone who had need. Now let me pull out a few keys in this passage. And the first one is, they devoted themselves. What does it mean to devote yourself? We sing it, I offer devotion. Lord, I come to you. Going deep. Devotion or devoted means everything. It means I commit everything. I give my everything. So if we read this, we could see that it says, they gave their everything. They gave their everything to what? Have a look at this. They gave their everything to the apostles' teaching. Do they get it? Sure do. They gave their everything to the apostles' teaching. They gave their everything to learning more about Jesus. They wanted to learn more. And so they devoted themselves to learning more about who he is, what he was like, who is God, what does he do, how does he fit into my life. They devoted themselves to doing that, to studying the scriptures. They opened the Word. They opened their iPhones. They opened their iPads. And they started getting into it and they started highlighting, underlying, praying through the Scriptures, wanting, seeking to know more. Seek and you shall find me. They wanted to know more about Jesus. Why? Because David says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And this is why God says, be still and know that I am God. Because it comes back and it starts right there. On that journey of life, the only thing that can guide us through is thy word. Amy Grant sings a song, I word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. It's a song that we know so well. It's a passage we know so well. But do we actually live it? So devote themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devote themselves meeting together. And this wasn't just some sort of Sabbath meeting. 
or Saturday meeting. This was doing life together. Whether going out to coffee shops, whether catching up with the parents at the parents' group or doing playgroup, whether getting together in the staff room. The opportunities they took to be together was a lifestyle. And it wasn't just a weekend thing, it was a life thing, where they realized they needed community. They needed community. Why? Because that is where they found support. That is where they found love, care, nurture. And so they'll be meeting together daily in each other's house. They'll be meeting together during the week. It wasn't just a Saturday thing. And in my journey in my life, I've found that when I'm a part of a small group, when I'm a part of a community of believers, studying the Bible, sharing together, serving together, growing together, it is when I've grown strongest. And it's where I've made friends for life. Because it's those sort of environments where you don't just pretend to be at church and you don't just do Christianity, but Christianity becomes real. And you can sit there and you can cry your eyes out and know that those people around you love you and care for you. Where you can tell them your hurts, your pain. We can share with them the good times and what's going well. Where you can do life together. And better still, it's we can ask those big questions. Those big questions about life. Those big questions about the Bible that you don't understand. And you can chew the fat with each other. Throw those questions out there and work things out together. And that's powerful. That's a powerful thing. It's where you can do barbecues together. And I love doing this. Just quickly, we, we used to do barbecues all the time, and we still do. And down in Melbourne, we were there. We had a community complex at Hope Park. And so we decided as a group we wanted to do outreach. And so we went around to our neighbours, and we led a box to a fly that said, come to the park, 5.30 Wednesday night. We're going to do an Easter egg hunt for the kids and a barbecue for you. And so that's what we did. We led a box and I was like, as a pastor, he's going, this, this is risky stuff. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But we did it. We got to Wednesday and we walked down, the group walked down, and we started cooking the, the sausages on the barbie and... I went around hiding the Easter eggs while eating some for myself as well, but we hid them. And it got to 5.30, and we're standing there, and we're like, hmm, is this going to work? I said a quick prayer, and all of a sudden, from out of the houses, it was just like a plague of ants. Families came from everywhere, left, right, and center. They just came across. And it was an amazing experience. As they came out and they thought, we're either the council. They said, are you from the council? I said, no, we're from the church down the road. And they said, oh, are you from Mervac? And we said, no, we're not from Mervac. 
from the church down the road. And people came out to get connected. One lady just shifted into the house around the corner from our house, from London, two weeks ago. And she came out because she wanted to meet friends. What better place to meet friends than a local church and small group? Another lady, she grew up a Catholic. She has two little kids. She hadn't been practicing and going to church, but she came out and said, is this, are you guys really a church? You do this sort of stuff? And he said, yeah. He said, how can I find that church? I want to come along. Why? Because our group decided to get out and instead of doing a barbecue for ourselves, we did a barbecue for the community. And that is the power of fellowship and being together. Because the fellowship isn't just for ourselves, it becomes an outward-focused fellowship as well. They devote themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Colossians. Martin Luther once wrote, If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets a victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours in prayer. People will always make time for what is important to them. Is getting to know Jesus Christ, is spending time with him important to you? If it is, then we will always make time to spend with him. Why do I say that? Because if you want to know anything else in life, if you want to get anything else out of today, listen to this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I don't know you. What's the most important thing when Jesus comes back? What's the most important thing when you meet Jesus face to face? It's not what you've done, but it's who you know. It's not what you've done, but it's who you know. And these guys got it. Because before they did anything else, they spent time knowing, learning, trying to know who Jesus was and being with him. And what happened? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous and miraculous signs that were being performed. Now that, my friends, is a supernatural power. That is something that is out of this world. And here they go on, whoa! This is a wow moment. So going, this is something that is out of this world. This is off the planet. It is my prayer that we as Refreshed Church will have those same well moments. We're going, wow, this is a God thing. Wow, this is an awesome miracle. Whoa. 
This is amazing. And if we want to experience that, if we want to have this amazing relationship, then we must have a connection with a supernatural power. If you want to have a supernatural experience, you must be connected to the supernatural God. If you want to have that sort of experience, then we must have that connection. We must strive to have that connection. We must begin with that connection. And this is what Mary got. This is what those early church Christians got. They got that whole connection deal. And it's when they've got that connection, and it's when they're all together, they said we need to meet the needs in our community. We want to turn our community on its head. We're going to be radical here. And you know what? That's when Christianity gets fun. So we don't get it back to front. This is out of our relationship. And what I see in my travels is that many churches try to do it the other way around. I think, if I go out and reach the community, we'll have a community impact. But they bring the community in, the community goes, hang on a minute, what's going on here? It's just another club. Where's Jesus? And that's serious stuff. Whereas these guys, they got it. And they said, we're going to know Jesus. We're going to experience Jesus. And with that experience, we're going to go out and we're going to bring the community into a relationship with Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't say, love yourself or love your neighbor as yourself and then love the Lord your God. He said, love God first and then your neighbor. I'll just skip through this. Time's beating us. But how well do you know your neighbors? How well do you know your neighbors? Those that live on the right side of you, left side of you, those that you work with, those that you come to school with, those who are in your year 12 class or in your class. Do you know them? Do you really know them? Do you know those houses and people who live in these houses out here? Do you know the people that you walk by at Northlakes? Or do they know you? I was really challenged in my ministry. And I just began ministry. I was working in New Zealand. And one day, a guy by the name of Clinton came into my office. And he said, I want to start up a late night street van. I was like, oh, okay. This sounds fun. Let's do a late night street van. He said, I want to go down to Otara, which is a low socioeconomic community in New Zealand. He said, I want to go down there about 12 o'clock at night and we want to just give them biscuits and, uh, and just a hot drink. Great. Okay. Let's do it. So we got the van organized. We got the hot drinks organized. We refitted the back of the van to be a, um, to be a little kitchenette. We headed out. There's a group of us youth and we're just out there and we're doing it. 
and we, we pull up, you know, in the middle of the street. We open up the back of the van. And I'm standing there going, Lord, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? Next minute, a lady in a hot pink dress walks around the corner in high heels, clip-clop down to where we are and said, hey, what's a lovely bunch of young guys like you doing out in the street this time of night? And we said, oh, we're just out to share the love of Jesus with you. She said, oh, the love of Jesus, huh? She's like, do you go to church somewhere, do you? And I was like, well, yeah, we're from the church down the road. And she said, oh, I used to go to church. I was like, oh, okay. She said, so what's your favorite Bible text? I was a bit taken away. I said, what's my favorite Bible text? And I said, oh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And with that, she went and sat down in the gutter. And she said, I'll tell you mine. She got a handbag, which was the size of a Bible. Opened it up, and she pulled out a Bible. Don't know what else she could fit in a handbag, but she had a Bible. Opened it up, and she turned to the 23rd Psalm. And she had a little finger, and she pointed, and she said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in pastures green. He leads me beside still waters. And I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil, for the Lord is by my side. This was a Friday night, or Saturday morning, about 12.30. Here I am sitting in a gutter with lights around me. And the youth are just staring at us as we're sitting there and she's reading from the Word of God to me. And it was there and then I realized that Christianity is more than just a suit and tie. Christianity is more than just putting a Bible under your wing and walking to church. Christianity is more than just saying, I'm a Christian, when the census comes out. Christianity is about being Jesus' hands and feet to the community. This lady shared with me and changed my life because I was getting out and I was going to share with her the love of Jesus. We went further and we started up a a burger van in the community on a Friday afternoon, evening. And we got ready burger, cut into patties, and we met up these burgers, and we took them out. And the first night, it was raining, and it was pouring, and Clinton and myself, we just sat there and said, how is this going to work? It was absolutely pouring. It was, it was so hard. I've never seen rain so hard in my life. It was just coming straight down. But I hooked up our car to the caravan that we'd fitted out. And you can see a bit of it in the picture there. We hooked it up and we took it out. And we stood there in the pouring rain. Not knowing how God would do something. Then a lady with an umbrella came walking by, a little old lady. She stopped and she asked for a burger. 
we gave her a burger. And one of the other guys, one of the other youth in our, our church, he was there with us. And he started to talk to her and he had a connection. And I don't know how he got to do it, but he asked her if she wanted Bible studies. And she said, that is what I've been looking for. Just one lady came to our burger van that first night. One lady. And five months later, she was the very first person to be baptised from that van. A year later, this van, we had over 300 adults and children coming out of an evening to come and play basketball, play games and have a burger. Just a vegetarian burger. We then got all these kids that didn't wear shoes and only had shorts and t-shirt in winter. We got them along to our VBS program during the school holidays. We had two busloads of them. And you should have seen it. We're in church and here they come walking in, no shoes and just grubby shorts and t-shirt. And the church members are just like, whoa, what's going on here? The community came to church and everyone was like, wow, something's going on here, something bigger than we know. This was a God moment. This was a miracle. And we saw kids being changed from inside out. As on that Sabbath, we worshipped and we graduated them from the VBS. Well, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's all about being. Tom Rayner, a researcher, writes, Vibrant and living churches look after the interests of others. They are concerned for their communities. They open the door for others. They be the church. They are the church. Growing up, probably the most significant event in my life, probably the most significant event in my ministry, probably the most significant thing to make me stand where I am today happened was at school. And I was with this man. And as I come home from school, I'll meet mum and dad in the Mildura Mall. And we'll sit out front of the Commonwealth Bank. Mum go and do the banking and my dad and I'll just sit there and talk on the, on the chair. And this guy would come and sit next to us. And he came and sat next to my dad. And he, he, he wasn't afraid to talk. He said, hey, my name's Macca, what's yours? And my dad said, I'm Wall. And he began to talk. My dad wasn't short for words. And these guys hit it off. And I remember sitting there listening to the conversations. They were chatting and they would, they would just chat about five, ten minutes. And this became a routine that every Friday night, the same park bench about the same time in front of Commonwealth Bank, Dad and Macca would sit together and chat. After a certain amount of time, Macca knew where we lived and so he'd come walking by and he'd chat to Dad or Dad was out watering the garden. Dad loved to have big flowers and the sort of gardens that you see when you drive by these gardens, you sort of go, whoa, that's a pretty amazing garden. And so he'd be watering and Mac would come along and just stand at the front gate and talk to him. And I remember conversations at dinner time, Dad would talk about Macca and he'd say, did you ever stop to think that Macca 
Mackie used to be the principal of an elite girls' high school in Melbourne. And the reason why he ended up in Mildura was he came home one night from school and his wife and children had left him with nothing. They'd taken off, cleared out the house, he walked in and he said, I had nothing. So with what he had in his pocket, he bought a ticket to Mildura on the train and that's where he ended up. I remember one time he said, Dad, what's well, my dad? Well, can I, um, can I leave my possessions in your back shed? And Dad said, yeah, sure. So I remember one Sunday morning, Dad and I went down the back shed and we were there cleaning out the shed, getting this big space ready to pull his stuff in. He knocked on the door and all he had over his shoulder was an orange onion bag with a set of encyclopedias and the Bible in it. And it struck me, every time I walked down the back shed and I saw that bag sitting in the corner, it struck me. It struck me. We found out that Macca made his home in one of the hollow trees on the Murray River Bank. And he had carpet in there and he had it all set up like we were home. And while I was at college studying, Avondale College, Dad called me and he said, Greg, have you heard the news? I said, no, no, I haven't. And he said, you're going to hear it. He said, um, it's on the news everywhere, on the national news. Three gum trees were set alight on the Murray River last night. I said, oh, really? He said, Greg, I just had the police at my door. He said, when they came to the door, he said, are you Wally Pratt? And Dad said, yeah, I'm Wally Pratt. And Dad said, do you know, they, the police said, do you know a man by the name of Macca? And Dad said, yeah, I know Macca. I know Macca. And they gave Dad a bag full of encyclopedias and a Bible. And they said, this is all we could find. It was outside the tree. But they said, we managed to recover a, a burnt note from the top of Macca's pocket. That written on it said, my next of kin, Wally Pratt. Phone 50233126. And Dad just broke down the phone and said, Greg, I never realised what sort of an impact I had on Macca until now. And his words to me were, never stop being Jesus to those around you. Never stop being Jesus to those around you. My dad always had these good little lines of advice. You just don't know. You just don't know how you can impact someone's life by the things you do, by being Jesus' hands and feet. That is why we as a conference 
by the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Queensland is challenging each and every person to learn more about Jesus. To begin to live it more every day of our lives. And to love. To love others more. Each and every day. Why? Because it's all about being. On that journey of life, the most important thing is all about being. Being Jesus' hands and feet. Knowing Jesus, making him known, loving others, and being Jesus. And I want to challenge us here at Refresh Church to continue to be Jesus' hands and feet. I'm hearing great stories. Stories that make my hair stand on end about what you guys are doing here as a community. But don't stop doing it. Continue to be Jesus' hands and feet. Continue to reach out and continue, continue to share Jesus in a powerful way. Because knowing him, making him known, learning more, living more, loving more is the most important thing at the end of the day. May God bless you. May God challenge you. May God inspire you as you go forward from this day, being, being Christians. Lord, we come to you this morning. I want to thank you so much that you have called us and that you died on the cross to give us eternal life. I want to thank you so much that you stand at the door and you knock. And you knock. And you knock. And Lord, I pray as we open that door, maybe for the first time or for the 21st time or I don't know what time it is, that we might open it and sit at your feet. That we might open it and learn more about you, who you are, what you did on the cross, what you are doing and how you can radically change our lives from this day forward. Lord, I pray that we may seek to be more like Mary in our life. And that we may not just go along with our life, not even thinking about the pattern, but realizing that you need to be a part of that, that is all about you. And that when we bring our ordinary, everyday life before you and say, Lord, take it, that you come into our life and that you change us from the inside out, that, Lord, is awesome. And we praise you for that. And maybe some of us here just asking you for the first time to come in and change us from the inside out. Lord, change them in a radical way. Lord, I pray that we may capture the amazing experience like the church in the book of Acts did. And that through learning more about you and through beginning to live it and then through loving others more that we can be Christians. That we won't just do church. We won't just be any other church, but we will be your church. And that we'll quit doing Christianity and that we'll start being radical Christians for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we may have those same experiences. 
hear those same words as I did when I sat with that woman in the gutter. Lord, may that be an experience that we can share with our friends, our family, our work colleagues, with those around us. Because when we meet you face to face, we want you to say, hey, I know you. We want to experience your great big hug. And we want to walk arm in arm, hand in hand with you into eternity. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you are. And may your will be done in our lives and in our church here at Refresh. This is our prayer in your precious name. Amen.